You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 12. The Bible says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any here besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you and we come before you this morning and we are, are uh, needy people. Uh, our nation is in trouble. Our homes are in trouble. But Lord, I thank you that we have the answer. I thank you that we don't have to throw in the towel. I thank you that we don't have to give up and we don't have to wonder what to do next. But I thank you that we've got the Bible that has the answer. I thank you for the Bible that contains the truth for how to live. And I thank you that you have promised that you will bless those that obey your word, those that follow your word. And Lord, no matter how bad it gets in our world, we know that we as Christians can stand for what is right and we can stand with your grace and with your strength and with your power. I pray that you'd help us speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for the great service we've had already. But Lord, now as we come to the preaching of your word, I pray that we would listen and I pray that we would be receptive. May we be helped and changed today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. On this Father's Day, the, the message I'll give you is uh, certainly about a father, but it's a message that is, uh, is needful, I believe, for every one of us. In Genesis 19, and I won't go through all of the account, I'll give you a little summary. In Genesis 19, we find a father by the name of Lot. And father, this father, I will call this father for this message, I will call this the father that failed his family. Now, fellas, I want to tell you, if those of you, uh, those of us that are fathers in the room, uh, you may not do well at work, you may not do good at the company, you may not do good in business, you may not do good in the stock market or whatever, you may not be able to make the softball team or make the roster or whatever. But I'll tell you this, those things will be okay. But may God help us not to fail our family. May God help us not to fail those who He has entrusted us with in our homes. And, and for those of you in the church that God has given you a ministry, I tell you, we need some godly men more than ever before. We need some godly families. We need some godly church members. We need some men and some women and some teenagers and some senior saints that will stand for what is right. 
Genesis 19, we see that Lot has moved his family to Sodom. Now, he didn't have to go to Sodom. He chose it. The Bible says he chose it, and I believe it was because of a financial gain. He chose the well-watered plains of Sodom instead of staying with Abraham. And the Bible tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was a man that had God's blessing, and Lot removed himself, and he went to Sodom. By the way, it's interesting, in Genesis 19, you find the first mention in the Bible of a house. Before this, they lived in tents. So you know what Lot got in Sodom? He got a house. The Bible says there were streets. Oh, this was fancy. They had houses, they had streets, but Lot was missing something far greater than a house and far greater than a street. He was missing God in his home. And Lot moved his family in that situation. The Bible says that two angels came to warn Lot. And they, they came and said, Lot, this city is going to be destroyed. God's going to judge this city. You need to get out. Well, to begin with in this account, these men came into the city and Lot said, you guys need to stay with me tonight. And these two angels said, oh no, we'll just stay out in the street. Lot said, you can't do that. These people are wicked. These people are perverted. These people are, are godless. And he said, he literally, he compelled them. He said, you got to stay with me. Well, not long after that, the men of the city were banging down the door of Lot's house saying, hey, those two men that came here, we want you to send them out here. And they said, we want to know them. That word know is an, uh, to know in an int intimate way, in a perverted way, in an immoral way. And Lot said, oh, no, well, listen to this. And you read it later. You, you tell me if this isn't true. Lot said, oh, no, you are not going to harm these guys. These guys are my guests. And I'm responsible for them. And I'm going to take care of my guests. But why don't you take, I've got two daughters. The Bible says they were virgins. Lot said, why don't you take my two daughters? And why don't you do with them whatever you want to do? Can I tell you, Lot's mind was warped. His mind was messed up. You say, well, that's because he wasn't even saved. Oh, no, he was saved. The New Testament calls him just, as in justified. He was saved. But can I tell you, you can be saved and you can be so far backslidden that you have no grasp on what is real and what is true and what is right. And Lot is offering his daughters to the wicked uh, men of the city. And those angels pulled him in and said, oh, no, you don't. You're not doing that. And they shut the door. Meanwhile, the angels, they tell Lot, they said, you've got to get your family out of here. God's going to destroy the city. And so Lot goes to his sons-in-law. We know he had at least two daughters that were married because he went to his sons-in-law and he said, guys, we got to get out of here. God's going to destroy the city. And you know how those sons-in-law responded? They laughed at him. He appeared to them as one that mocked. They said, Lot, why are you all worried about God now? You haven't been talking about him up to this point. You haven't been talking about God or living for God or caring about God. And he couldn't get his sons-in-law to leave. Finally, the angels told Lot, they said, you've got to come. The city's going to be destroyed. And the Bible says that while he lingered, Lot was literally... He was kind of hem-hawing, like, I'm not sure I want to leave. And the Bible says those angels grabbed hold of him and yanked him out of the city, God being merciful to him. 
Aren't you glad for the times that God's been merciful to you? Even though you maybe weren't going to do what was right, but aren't you glad that sometimes God does? He gives you a little extra mercy and a little extra grace. Says you need to get out of that situation. And so Lot escapes with his wife and his two daughters that were not married. And while they're leaving the city, Lot's wife looks back as the city is being destroyed. God said, don't look back. And when she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. You know the story. Unless you think, well, I think Lot's wife, I think she was just all wrapped up in materialism. I'm not so sure. I know she had at least two daughters that were still there. I know she had two sons-in-law that were still there. Maybe she had some grandchildren in the city. And Lot's wife turns back and she, her life ends. She becomes a pillar of salt. Lot and his two daughters, they escape to the mountain. And there they are. And in that mountain, in that cave, Lot's daughters actually get their father drunk and become immoral with their father. You say, well, where did that come from? I'll give you one guess. Sodom. It came from the wickedness of Sodom that here is a family that lost all morals, that lost all truth, they lost all reality because they got away from what God had said. I want to tell you, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says in the book of Jude in verse number 7, it says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sodom was destroyed. But can I tell you, Sodom wasn't the only thing that was destroyed. Lot's family was destroyed. And you can say, well, you know, I don't know if there's anything we can do about our country. Well, first of all, I think we can still see revival because I believe God's still on the throne. But you may not think there's a lot you can do about our country or maybe a lot you can do about all this, but there's something you can do about your family. There's something you can do about your marriage. There's something you can do about your children. But we see the father who failed his family. They were in a city where wickedness was the norm. Does that sound familiar? We are living in a society where wickedness is no longer the exception, it is the norm. I want you to notice, number one, in this passage we see it, but I'm going to make the application to 2022 and where we live today. But I want you to notice the reality of our society. We've seen the reality of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was wicked and it had infiltrated and it had affected their minds. It had warped their thinking. But the reality of our society, and please stay with me because we're going somewhere and if you tune me out after the first few minutes, you're going to miss the whole point of everything I say. Number one, I want you to notice the reality of our society. We are right now, we're in the month of June and I don't think it's any secret to anybody that we are living in a society that promotes a lifestyle that God's word says is a perversion. It is an abomination. You see, we are in Pride Month. Now, I'm not in Pride Month, but that's where everywhere you turn, that's what they're in. Uh, the Pride Month that, that not, only, not only allows, but accepts and praises the LGBTQ lifestyle. You say, well, that's just a few people. Uh, try this. How about Disney? 
And by the way, this is nothing new. If you're shocked by this, you shouldn't be. But Disney has just come out with a, a, a cartoon. And in that cartoon, there is a, a part of that. I think it's just a few seconds. But there's a part of it that, uh, that, that um, uh, talks about or that, that portrays a same-sex couple, okay? Now, here's the thing. That shouldn't surprise you. But here's the, the issue that I have is that when they were asked about it, Disney was actually a little bit kind of perturbed, like, yeah, it's kind of sad, it's a big deal. But they said this, our goal is for this to become the norm. And by the way, that is their goal. Their goal is for that not to be a big deal. Their goal is for everybody to accept that that is the way it's supposed to be. Now, by the way, in our culture today, if you say anything against that lifestyle, you're the problem. Uh, it's not, oh, it's not the sin that's the problem. It's the person that would speak the truth about the sin and you'll be canceled. Uh, you, you get online and you decide, I'm going to say, hey, I believe marriage is between one man and one woman. And by the way, I do believe that. And the Bible teaches that. But if you say that, that's not allowed anymore. That's hate speech. You are intolerant. You are so narrow-minded and you are so bigoted. And how dare you hurt the feelings of people that believe differently? We've seen the cancel culture. We have seen in Hollywood that the, the Hollywood stars are all about this. And you say, well, does everybody in Hollywood believe this? I don't think so. But those that don't believe it are afraid to say anything about it for fear of losing their job and losing their income. It's in movies, it's on the internet, it's on social media, it's in our music, it's in our sports. I can't believe the, the NFL and the NBA and the Major League Baseball and all the push that has been given towards accepting and praising this kind of lifestyle. By the way, it's not just that, it's our government. I read this past week an article that there is a task force that has been established. And you know what the purpose of the task force is? Don't worry, it's not about inflation. <laughs> it's not about gas prices, don't worry. Uh, it's not about anything like that, you know, that affects you and me. It's about misinformation online that hurts the feelings of the LGBT movement. That's what the task force is all about. And it is, it is run by none other than our vice president. She's got it under control. She's going to make sure that this stops. We cannot allow misinformation on the internet. We can't allow anybody to have a, an opinion or a viewpoint that is different from what is being pushed by the society. Just read the newspaper. Watch the news. Just scroll online and you will see this is prevalent in our society. It's the reality. But number two, I want you to notice and I want to remind you today not only the reality of our society, but I want you to know the reasons for our stand. Why do we believe that that lifestyle is wicked? Why do we believe that that lifestyle is a sin? Well, I got news for you. You got to have a better answer than just to say, well, that's what my parents said. And by the way, if your parents said that, praise God, you had parents that told you the truth. But it's not just because somebody said it. It's not just because it sounds good. It's not just because that's the, the society that you grew up in. You've got to know, and I've got to know, what does the Bible say? Because everybody's got opinions, and everybody's got ideas, and everybody's got theories, but what is true 
is not based upon what you or I say. What is true is based upon what the Word of God says. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 18. And I, unless you say, oh, pastor, that's Old Testament. You know, we don't believe that Old Testament stuff. Well, there's a lot of good stuff that started in the Old Testament. Uh, breathing, I'm for that. <laughs> breathing started in the Old Testament. Um, uh, uh, life started in the Old Testament. The home started in the Old Testament. But notice with me what it says in Leviticus 18, first five verses, it talks about how that the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt. God said, I don't want you to live according to what they did. And God said, and you're going into Canaan. I don't want you to live according to how the heathen live. God said, I want you to be a special people. I want you to be a people that are sanctified to me. And then God gives in Leviticus 18, God gives some sins, some, some sins of immorality. He talks about nakedness in this passage. And I still believe that nakedness is a sin. And I still believe Christians ought to uh, keep some clothes on. That'd be a good thing to do. And I know that's not popular though, right? We don't, we don't believe in that. You know, that's, that's not what, what, what is popular in culture. But the Bible still teaches that nakedness is wrong. The Bible still teaches that fornication is wrong. You say, Pastor, I thought we were talking about homosexuality. Yeah, and we're actually, we're talking about what the Bible says. And the Bible still says that to be immoral, to have an immoral relationship outside of marriage, that that is still sin. You say, but everybody's doing it. Maybe so. I'll say what my parents said, just because everybody's jumping off the bridge. I mean, you have to, right? How about this? The Bible teaches that adultery is still sin. We're talking about moral sins and moral laws, and those do not change. And so we see that in Leviticus 18. And then we get down to verse number 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Verse 23 talks about another perversion, which is bestiality, which it just, it, it blows my mind. But hang on, it's coming. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even say it's coming. I'd say it's already sneaking in the door in our society today. How come? Because when you get away from God and you get away from God's word, there's no limit to how far you will go. Just ask Lot and he'll tell you there's no limit. So we see that the reasons for our stand is because the Bible teaches that this lifestyle I hate to use the word lifestyle, but this, uh, this act is an abomination, the sin of homosexuality. I read about eight years ago, and uh, if, I, if I saw the man that wrote the article, I'd have a conversation with him, and I, I never did pick a fight with him or anything because I felt like uh, he probably was, uh, I felt like he was probably saying some things he'd heard from other places, and he said in his article, a local article, he said, and I'm no theologian, that's what he said. But, he said, I believe it's very hypocritical that a Christian would say homosexuality is a sin, but then they go to a barbecue and they eat pork. I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm not, and, and by the way, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't satire. It was real. And he went on in that article and he went on and talked about how that, you know, Christians eat lobster, which is forbidden in the Jewish dietary laws. And Christians eat pork, and Christians eat ham, and Christians eat shrimp, and all of those, by the way, those are forbidden in the Jewish dietary laws found in the book of Leviticus. And the whole argument was, you're not being consistent. You can't say one is right and one is wrong, because in the book of Leviticus, it says both of those are wrong. So here's the question. 
Why do we believe? And by the way, I believe that Leviticus 18.22 is applicable for today. How come? Well, because God has given some laws. God gave to the nation of Israel, He gave some civil laws. Civil laws would be the equivalent to speed limits that we have today. Now, by the way, some of you, you don't do a very good job obeying civil laws. Those speed limits you think are suggestions. But that is a law. If you live in Halifax County, you live in North Carolina, you live in the United States of America, those are some laws you need to follow. God gave Israel, as the nation was starting, God gave them some civil laws that need, they need to follow. I got a question for you. Is there a problem? Is it a, is it a sin? Is it a wickedness to go 50 miles an hour? <laughs> Some of you, you were pleading the fifth on that one. Well, if the speed limit's 45, then you're breaking that law. Is that a, is that a, a, a moral law of God? No, absolutely not. It's a civil law. God gave Israel some laws. For instance, did you know they were not to wear clothing that had more than one material? They could wear a, a blend of materials. But we're not under that. That was a, a civil law that was given to the nation of Israel. But you say, that's crazy. Well, if you lived in the nation of Israel up until the time of Christ, guess what? You obeyed that law and you followed that law. You know why? Because God said it. And it was for that time and it was for that people. How about this? There are some laws that the children of Israel on their clothing, and I'm looking around here, maybe, maybe somebody's got some. Does anybody have any tassels or any fringes that are hanging off of your clothing? Miss Askew's got some right here. We got, oh, and Miss Hilda's got some. There's two. Now, here's the problem, though. On those fringes and on those tassels, there's supposed to be some blue ribbons hanging off of those. Do you have any blue ribbons hanging off of those? No? Sorry, that doesn't count. You're, you're, you're out of the church. You don't have those. Well, obviously those were laws. You say, well, why did God give Israel those laws? For a couple of reasons. One was so they would be different from the other nations around. But God gave them laws. You've got to have laws to have a nation. Can you imagine in Roanoke Rapids if we didn't have any laws? We said, yeah, just do whatever you want. That's called anarchy. That's called chaos. That's called you wouldn't make it. I wouldn't make it. We'd all be in trouble. But God gave some laws, some civil laws, as in the foods and the animals they were supposed to eat or not eat. Then God gave some laws that were ceremonial laws. Did you know there are ceremonial laws that God gave that you can't keep today even if you wanted to? Some of you, you messed up today because you came to a church where there is a pastor who is not a descendant of Levi. I'm not uh, uh, from the tribe of Levi. I'm not qualified to be a priest in the Old Testament. Well, guess what? We don't live in the Old Testament. There are ceremonial laws. By the way, uh, we passed the offering plate. Did anybody put any animals in the offering plate? No, we, we don't do the, uh, the, the sacrificing of the... We don't do that. Why? Those were ceremonial laws that were given. However, God also gave some moral laws. And did you know the moral laws that you find in the Old Testament... You also find them in the New Testament. And did you know that God's word, although we say, yes, Leviticus, why do we say Leviticus 18? Because we find it not just in Leviticus, but we find it all throughout the Bible. We find it in the New Testament. The Old Testament gives you some rules. The New Testament tells you you can have a relationship with Jesus. 
The Old Testament says you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. The New Testament says in Jesus Christ, you have freedom, you have liberty. You are not under the law, but you are in Christ. I was in fourth grade, and I remember there was a boy in our class who, um, and I won't say his name because I know with internet and all that stuff, I won't say his name, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing, he wasn't the, the top of the class, we'll say that. He wasn't the top of the class. Is that, is that okay to say? It's hard to know what you can say, what you can't say anymore. Uh, we used to say it wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but I don't think you can say that anymore. But he was, uh, he was assigned a, a book report, and we all were assigned the book report. He didn't get his done. He didn't get his done. Finally, the teacher said, you're reading this book right here. And he looked at me, and he said, Jeremy, have you read this book before? And I said, yeah, I've read that book. You know why? Because it was Hardy Boys, and I'd read all the Hardy Boys books, you know? And he said, okay, good. He said, I'm going to give this to you, to the student. He said, you're going to read this. You're going to give an oral book report. And we're going to know if you read it or not because Jeremy's in here and he's going to verify because he's read it. I thought, thanks a lot, teacher. Thanks for putting that responsibility on me. So the day came and this boy got up and he gave the oral book report. And it was, I don't know if he planned it or not, but it was smooth. He got up and he gave a summary of the first 50 pages of the book. Now, it was a 200-page book, but he gave a summary of the first 50 pages. The teacher looked at me, and he said, Jeremy, is that in the book? I said, yes, sir, that's in the book. And he said, well, I said, okay, well, good job, whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, it's in the book, but that's not all the book, right? It's in the book, but that's not the whole story. Friend, I got good news for you. We don't just have the first 50 pages. We've got the whole story. And aren't you glad that we have the Old Testament and everything points to Jesus Christ. Everything points to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Everything points to our high priest. Everything points to eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ. So we have the laws. Leviticus, you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you ought to believe it because God's moral laws do not change. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? I'm glad I don't have to come to church and say, well, I wonder what God wants today. I wonder if God's changed his mind from yesterday. I got good news for you. He's the same and he never changes. We see God's laws. We see, number one, the reality of our society. But number two, we see the reasons for our stand. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans. We get to Romans chapter one and we see what God has to say about this lifestyle what God has to say about the sin of homosexuality. Look at verse number 16 of Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now notice, if you would, verse number 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Verse 26, for this cause... God gave them up unto what kind of affections? Vile. They were filthy. They were wicked. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. You see, I'm glad that we've got the rest of the story. I'm glad that we've got the New Testament that tells us and that, that supports the fact that Leviticus 18, that wasn't a temporary law. That wasn't a, a national law. That wasn't a civil law. 
by the way, I'm glad we're not under the punishment of the Old Testament civil laws. Aren't you glad for that? Where you were stoned for taking the name of God in vain. Uh, where you, were, where you were, were, were killed, where you were executed for the sins that were described in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2, you say, well, well, what about the newspaper article? What about eating the pork and all that? Well, Colossians 2 says this. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. Those Old Testament ceremonial laws, those Old Testament laws were a picture of a shadow. They were just a shadow. They were just a picture of Jesus who was coming. First Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says, And those that command to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. It is to be received with thanksgiving. Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says this, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Did you know that those things God still hates today? You know why? Because they're a part of God's moral standard. A proud look. Say, Pastor, I thought we were talking about homosexuality. We are. You know what else we're talking about? We're talking about something else God hates. He hates pride. Proud look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, feet that be swift and running to mischief, he that soweth discord among the brethren. And God gives a list of things that he hates, things that are an abomination to him. So we see the reality of our society. Number two, we see the reasons for our stand because what the Bible says, because we have the Old and New Testament, because we have the rest of the story, because we have a law that points us to Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16, Brother Bircham preaching last week, he quoted this verse. It says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. I love what Brother Bertram said. It's so true. The whole Bible was not written to us, but the whole Bible was written for us. And we ought to know it. We ought to study it. We ought to learn it. Number three, and I'll close with this, the response of the saved. You say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like I'm loaded for bear. I'm ready to go out. I'm ready to get in a debate. I'm ready to go argue with somebody. I'm ready to go tell them how they're wrong and I'm right. Well, here's the response of the saved. I believe, number one, we need to know what the Bible says. I think we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think you need to know. I think you need to understand. For instance, when somebody says, well, what about this from Leviticus? I think you need to know what the whole Bible teaches. But then I think this, not only know the scriptures, but some of you, you're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Some of us, we need to be careful that we don't get carried away with politics and personalities and sound bites. Did you know that just because somebody can get a crowd worked up, that doesn't mean it's true? I've seen people get crowds worked up while they're cursing all the way through it. I don't, I don't find support for that in the Bible. Get people going by cursing at them. I don't, I don't find that. How about this? I, I, and I don't, I don't know personally of anybody, but I know of people, that not, not people I know personally, but I know of people. I know of a few nutcases. Well, I know more than a few nutcases, but in this category, I only know a few. 
I know a few nutcases that would say, you know what we ought to do with all the homosexuals? Kill them all. Now, friend, first of all, you're off your rocker. But secondly, that is not the response of the saved. The response of a saved, born-again child of God ought to say, we need to pray for those people. We need to get burdened for those people. We need to show them that God loves them. We need to show them that they can know Christ. We need to show them that there is victory in Jesus. We need to show them that they don't have to stay on that road, that they can find forgiveness with Jesus. But if we're not careful, we'll get carried away by people that get us very emotional and get us all worked up. I believe next, I think the response of the saved should be that we speak the truth in love. Now, you got to speak the truth. If I say, you know, I love, I love Brother Glenn Collins. I love him so much, but, you know, he's over, uh, over uh, across the way and his, his car got hit and the, the car's burning and I'm just going gonna, gonna to call him on his cell phone or I'll send him a text say, Brother Glenn, you need to get out of that car. I told him the truth, right? And I hope he gets it. hope he figures it out. No, you know what love is? Love is to go over there and try to help him out. Love is to not stand over him and say, Brother Glenn, why were you even driving on this road? I bet you were texting and driving. I bet it's you. No, no, no. You know what love is? Love is having compassion for somebody. Say, I'm going to do everything I can to help them. I'm going to do everything I can to show them the truth. I'm going to do everything I can to salvage their life. That's what love is. That's what speaking the truth is. Then lastly, our response, the response of the saved ought to be this, that every interaction we have with people that are lost, with people that are backslidden, with people that are hooked on drugs, with people that are uh, alcoholics, for people uh, that are involved in pornography, for people that are involved in fornication, for people that are uh, uh, people that are not married, that are living together. By the way, that's still a sin. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but the Bible still calls that fornication. And, and, and adultery and all those things and homosexuality and all those things, the, the people that are involved in all those things, here's the answer. Here's what we do. We go to those people and we say, I'm a sinner, but I've been saved by the grace of God. If God could save me, he could save you too. And let me tell you, let me show you, let me point you to Jesus. Let me take you to Jesus. And everything we do is not to win an argument, but everything we do is to point people to Jesus Christ. Because when it's all said and done, you know what matters? Not who's right, not who's wrong, not who wins, but when it's all said and done, what matters is, do you know Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? The Bible says, for all have sinned, it comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. So the response of the saved ought to be, let's speak the truth with love and compassion. And let's point people to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.